25 minutes or so to talk to you. I need you to listen to me for just a moment. Lord God, I'm praying that in these next 25 minutes, lives will be absolutely changed, that we would be refocused, and that, Lord God, we would leave this place assured of our salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you put my title uh, up for me? I don't know who's back there. Is that John? Thank you. The title of my message today, and it, no, that's not it. I don't know if he put it in there. Is it in there, Ryan? You didn't put it in there? I did. I sent it to you, and you actually saved it. You're fired. The title of my message in the title page is pretty spectacular, trust me. It's, no, no, don't, don't worry about that, Ryan. Ryan, I'm t- They can always go find it on Facebook or on live stream. Listen to me, and you you need to hear this, because a lot of people are asking me questions. What do we do? What's next? What are we supposed to be doing? Let me just tell you this. Jesus Christ is coming back. You better think about buying the field. Now, a lot of people don't understand what what I'm saying with that, but trust me. Listen, over the past few weeks, you, you've been getting messages and people looking at you and saying things are going to get bad. Make sure you have enough food for this long. Make sure you have enough gas. Make sure that you have enough water because things are going to get bad. Listen, we are always ready for emergencies in Louisiana. I pray that you already have that. I pray that you are already and always ready for emergencies. But instead of thinking about food, instead of thinking about things that are temporary that we might need to last for a little while so that we can make it through what ever. Trust me when I tell you Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. You need to buy the field. So, you know, what, what do you mean Jesus is returning, Pastor Brian? What exactly are you talking about? And some of you may be brand new to this whole Christian thing, and, and maybe you've been coming and you enjoy the fact that we worship God, that, that we really celebrate who he is, that our Christianity isn't just religion here at Lakeshore Church, but our Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can experience that. I've had people that have literally told me they don't know what it is, but when they come in here, they feel something. And that something is the presence of God. And the presence of God brings rest. It brings joy. There's, there's true. You feel that. It is an experience. And we want you to experience that. But you've got to know that if you don't get anything else from this message, I want you to know Jesus is coming back for his bride, you, his bride. Jesus is coming back for us, those who, that have gone before us and those that still have breath in our lungs and blood beating through our hearts, right? Your heart's beating. He is coming back. How many of you in this place with a show of hands believe that what you read in the Bible is the word of God? Right, so we believe most of us. This is this is what makes us different. You, you know, our fact checker is the Word of God. Nothing else will be able to check our facts because the Word of God is truth, and all of God's promises found in there are yes and amen. I want to read some scripture. Here's what I want you to understand: in the Word of God, the Old Testament says God created man; man sinned. God created us with a free will that we would worship Him, that we would love him, mankind chose to disobey him. 
And so what happens is that separated us from our heavenly father. Sin separates us from God. Disobedience separates us from God. Why did God even give us the choice? Because he didn't want to make you love him. He wanted you to love him because you want to love him. Right? Free will. We chose to disobey. Old Testament says God created man, man sinned, man needs salvation. Man needs a way to reconnect with God because we offended him with sin and disobedience. We need a savior because man can't save themselves. The law is perfect, the law is pure, and there is no man alive that will ever be able to live up to those standards. God's standard is perfection, and we can't live up to that, and because of that, we need someone to come and save us from our sin and the consequences of our sin. We need a Savior. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Old Testament, it goes from from Genesis to Malachi, then we see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptic gospels that say the Savior is here. Man needs a savior, Old Testament. The gospels say that the savior is here. And Acts, the book of Acts through the book of Revelation says that Jesus is going to come back to live appropriately, fall in love with Jesus, but be ready for his return. What does that look like? Matthew chapter 24, uh, starting in verse 3. I'm going to read this. We've got to get through this. Jesus talked about the signs of the times, the signs of the times and the end of the age. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I mean, who doesn't want to know that? And so Jesus began to describe for them what it's going to look like. And Jesus answered and he said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and COVID and earthquakes in various places. You didn't know COVID was in the Bible, did you? All these are the beginnings of sorrow, right? And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and even kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Seems like we're getting there. And then many will be offended. Now, this is something that always, I was perplexed by this. And many will be offended? Listen, what rules the day? What, what, what rules the day is the offense? We are creating laws so as not to offend people. We are changing what is acceptable so that fewer people will be offended while we're offending someone else. But the, everything, it's ruled by the offense. This one is offended that this is what was what said. This one's offended. I cannot believe. How could you do this? Next thing you know, everybody's offended and we don't know what. What's, what's right and what's wrong, unless you live by the word of God. And then many will be offended, and they'll even betray one another, and they'll hate one another. How many of you feel the hate that's happening all over the place right now? And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin and then the consequences of sin. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. What is it going to look like? Skip over to Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. What day? The day that Jesus returns. But as the days of Noah were, so also would the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and didn't know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill and one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, we would have watched, we would have watched, we would have watched, and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. What am I telling you? I'm telling you to be watchful, and I'm telling you to buy the field. Pastor Brian, what does the field have to do with anything? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He describes it. Paul describes it. He says, but I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have passed, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many of you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Listen, it's okay for you to say, I believe that. It's the very basis of our faith. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. He said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, until the coming of the Lord, the Lord is coming until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Listen, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. It is a heavenly abduction. This is what the word of God says. Most of you believe that the word of God, the Bible is the word of God. And so I know that there are a lot of churches that avoid teaching this and preaching about this because it just sounds weird. Are you? I mean, it sounds like an alien abduction. Well, I believe that that's going to be one of the explanations when it happens. But I want you to know that you just read Paul described for us what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. The question is, are you ready? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's comforting to know that things are getting bad, things are looking crazy. Know that Jesus is soon to return. Now, we have a tendency to think, well, man, I'll tell you, it's never been this bad. Surely Jesus is soon to return. Can I tell you that the, that the Chinese nation and the Christians that are in China have been begging for the return of God for centuries? 
We can't have just an American perspective. We need to have a worldwide perspective. And I want you to know that he's coming back. And the question is, are you ready to meet him in the air when the trumpet blows? Because curiously, Jesus said, two will be in the bed and one will be taken and the other left. Well, why would one be left? Why would he take one and leave the other? Two will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. What's the people that are left? What are they going to have to go through? Years of suffering and pain and tribulation like this world has never seen according to the word of God, the Bible that you believe is the word of God. I don't want any of my family or friends to experience what's to come. I want them to be caught up with me in the air. The question is, are they ready? And now the next question is, are you ready? Because Jesus is coming back. My question is, have you bought the field? What should we do to make sure that we're not left behind? Left to experience tribulation beyond anything the world has ever experienced. What should we do? Buy the field. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says this, again, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, that treasure, he goes and sells all that he has, and then he bought the field. The kingdom of God is like a field. And the man knows that there is a treasure in that field. That field is the world, and, and, and that treasure is salvation. That, I'm sorry, the field is the kingdom of God. The treasure is salvation through Jesus Christ. He said, if you're smart, you'll go and sell everything you have to buy that field to enjoy that treasure. It, all right, so what exactly does it mean to buy the field? Why are we seeing so many Christians fail? Why are we seeing so many people disheartened? Why are we seeing so many people who they've lost their saltiness, right? I read this to the men yesterday. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And when salt loses its flavor, it's no good but to be thrown down and be trampled underfoot by men. There's Christians that are losing their saltiness. There are Christians that are taking their light and they're putting it under a basket, when Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now is not the time for us to lose our saltiness or to try to hide our light. Now is the time to let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify God. But how do we do that? You got to buy the field. There's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was an author of an incredible book called The Cost of Discipleship. And man, I, he wrote many things, an incredible guy. He lived in 1943. He was there in the midst, in Germany, in the midst of all that happened, in the midst of the rise of an evil power who took over everything. He was a great German pastor, a theologian, and eventually a martyr. He was hung for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was asked in 1943 how it was possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler seize absolute power. His firm answer was this. It was the teaching of cheap 
grace. The churches in Germany would literally sing louder during their services to drown out the clamor coming from the trains, traveling by next to the churches loaded with Jews that were heading to concentration camps. How did they sit back? How did they allow it? And, and how did they just sing louder to drown out the noise? He defined cheap grace as this. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Preaching baptism without church discipline. Teaching and giving communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Cheap grace says that you don't have to buy the field. The field has already been purchased. And you're right. The field has been purchased. Jesus Christ bought the field of the world and the treasure in his mind in the kingdom of God. You are the treasure. I am the treasure. And he bought the field so that he could get the treasure. And how did he buy the field? He bought it with his blood on the cross. And the question is, what do we do? Is that all that needs to be done? Jesus did everything to buy the field, so why do we have to think about buying a field? What does that have to do with me, Pastor Brian? What does buying the field look like? I'm going to finish it off with Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to be my disciple, if anyone wants to be assured that when I return, I take them with me, if anyone wants to be assured of salvation, of heaven, and eternal life, what does he say that looks like? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to what his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I've literally heard people say that they're no longer looking for the signs of the end of the age. They're listening for the trump. They're listening for the trumpet because we've seen it. We've experienced it. It's all just coming. It's all in play. Whether it's the tribulation, what happens in a world and world government, a one world monetary system, a man that literally is worshipped by the entire world, they call the Antichrist. That'll never happen. That's ridiculous. Well, you see how gullible people can be and how people just fall for things that you never thought that they would fall for. We have to be careful and we have to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. I've heard people say that they're looking or listening for the trumpet. Listen to me. Time is short by the field. What does that mean? Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Confess your sins. Admit that you're a sinner. Repent of your sin. Repent of the sin that you've allowed to rule your life. Confess the things, Christians, that are there as a Christian that, you, that keep you from denying yourself and taking up your cross. Die to pride. Sell it so that you can buy the field. 
Sell your pride so you can buy the field. Sell those things that you've held on to. It's time for you and I to surrender our lives because time is short. We're not looking for the signs. We're listening for the trumpet. Time is short. Don't waste time thinking that we have another week, another month, or even another year because I believe everything has happened that needs to happen for Jesus Christ to return whenever he feels like it. And I'm ready for it. That's not scary. That's comforting. Pastor Brian, are you saying that Jesus is going to come back? He's going to come back in the clouds. We're going to hear a trumpet. People that died are going to meet him in the air, and then some kind of a way he's going to vacuum us up and meet them. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how he's going to do it. But as crazy as it seems, it's in the word of God, and I don't want the two. I want both the people in my bed to go when Jesus comes. I want both the people that are in the field working at the mill grinding, the people that I want to see as many people as possible make it. So, Pastor Brian, well, what do we do? Well, it's the same thing that we would do if he doesn't come back for another 20 years. I live my life for Jesus Christ, and I let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify God in heaven. Now, notice it doesn't say, let your light so shine before men that they may see you, that they may see your Christianity, that they may see how awesome you are. It's let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. What are we to be doing? In the meantime, we are to be doing good works. I'm going to buy the field. I'm going to give up my dreams and, and, and submit my dreams to God knowing that his dreams are so much better and far better than any dream that I could ever have for myself. I'm going to die to my pride. I'm going to die to my lust. I'm going to die to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And guess what? I'm probably going to have to do it every day because I'm a prideful individual, and as much as I try to stomp it down, it just seems to come back the next day. That's why it says his mercies are new every morning. And he's, his loving kindness is renewed towards us every day. He told us, don't worry about tomorrow, just worry about today. And so we wake up and we get things right and we confess where we need to confess. We beg God for mercy and we buy the field every day. We sell all that we have to buy that field because in that field is the treasure of salvation. And whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It starts with the belief, but that belief drives us to surrender all, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow after Jesus. If you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do so today because time is short. If you've never said, Lord God, I am accepting you as my Lord and Savior, I'm begging you to forgive me of my sins, to make me whole, to cleanse me. Because you know what? Pride says that I'm not sinful. I'm really a pretty good guy. And certainly God wouldn't leave me if he came back. Well, the fact of the matter is it's not about how good you are. It's not about the little sins or the big sins. It's about what you've done with Jesus Christ, the son of the one true living God. Do you believe in him? And have you surrendered your life to the place where you know if he comes back today, you would be called to meet him in the air? It's the cares of this life that drag us down. It's, the, it's when we get focused on things that are, not, that are not of God that drag us down. And we lose our saltiness. And the, when we put our light under a bushel, and the next thing you know, the trump sounds. And, man, I don't want anyone here to be left. 
Well, what do I do? Every day, starting now, and if you've never done it, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I, I don't care what your sexual orientation is. You need Jesus today. I, I don't care what your social status is. I don't care what your economic status is. None of that matters in the end. Today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you, and he demonstrated that love to you, that while you were still sinning, he died for you. And in the end, listen, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to buy the field. Admitting that you're a sinner, that's buying the field. Admitting that I've lied, admitting that I've stolen, admitting and saying, Lord God, I'm a sinner and I need help. Time is short, buy the field. Surrender to Jesus, confess your sins, repent of the sin that you've allowed to rule in your life, confess the things that are there as a, as a Christian that keep you from denying yourself, die to pride, sell it so that you can buy the field. Jesus bought the field, he sold everything to buy the field. The world is the field and we are his treasure. He bought the field with his own blood and his desire is that we would sell everything so that we also can buy that field, the kingdom of God, which holds the treasure of salvation through Jesus Christ. I've got five minutes left. Buy the field. Grow in knowledge of the word of God. Buy the field. Desire spiritual gifts. Beg for the power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Buy the field. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Buy the field. By the field with your tears, with your repentance, with your confession, and by changing your life to please the one who owns the field and allows us to enjoy the treasure therein. People will hate you by the field. People will despise you. They'll belittle you. They'll reject you for your faith. By the field. Persecution, rejection, tribulation is temporary, but the treasure that's in that field is eternal. It's eternal life. By the field. Time is running out. Please, please, quit making excuses. Quit looking at the field and say, I sure would like to have that treasure, but I'm not willing to pay what needs to be paid so that I could have it. Time is running out to the point where we won't have that decision to make much longer. I'm begging you to buy the field today. I'm mean, going to just tell you, that treasure is amazing. Andy, if you could come up, the treasure that is there is love. Love like you've never experienced. Forgiveness that no one can offer you. Hope and joy and peace. Peace that, that surpasses understanding. Listen, Christianity is amazing. But it's not Christianity that's amazing. What's so amazing about it is the one who bought the field, who is the treasure, who changes our lives, changes our perspective, who guides us, directs us, who heals our body, who heals our heart. Mary, how are you going to help me deal with rejection? She's going to introduce you to the one who died for your rejection. 
right? To the one who, who died so that you could live. To the one who says that one day in heaven he'll wipe away all pain, all tears, all death. That's what, that's what the treasure is. You see, we experience a little bit of that treasure while we're right here. But the true treasure is the moment that we quit breathing, that our heart stops beating, or that he calls us home to meet him in the air. One way or the other. Pastor Brian, I don't believe in the rapture. I think that you've got that all mixed up, and I think that God's talking about something else. I don't necessarily know that the end is near. I can tell you, you are one breath closer to your end than you were a few moments ago. One heartbeat closer to your end than you were because we're only guaranteed so many of them. In the end, get things right now. Don't wait because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't boast about tomorrow, Proverbs says. Don't boast about, about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day are the problems and the issues that we face. Today is the day of salvation for you, for your family. Today is the day for you to buy the field. Maybe maybe you, you've, you've bought the field, but you know what? You haven't been going back to that field much, or maybe part of that field has been returned. And man, you know what? It's time for all of us to get to the place where we say, I am selling all that I have. The kingdom of God is like a field with treasure in it. And the man who saw that field and saw that treasure, he hid the treasure and then went and sold everything that he had so that he could purchase that field that contained the treasure. Are you willing to sell it all? Pastor Brian, I'm prideful and I've got my pride and you know what, man, I don't, I don't wanna look like one of those radical, crazy, you know, overdramatic Christians. I'm not asking, I'm asking you to find the relationship that God wants with you and I know that first and foremost, to get and develop that relationship, you gotta sell everything that you have. Jesus bought the field, he sold it all, bought the field. And now he turns around and he says, this field is something that you need to buy as well. How will you buy it? By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, by openly telling the world that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and allowing God through his word to begin to change your life to line up with what he desires. I don't believe in cheap grace. I kind of believe like Dietrich believes. I, I can tell you this, it wasn't cheap for Jesus Christ. It's by grace that we're saved and not through our works, Pastor Brian, and you are correct in saying that. But it's through our faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're buying the field, making changes surrendering your life, your desires, and what you think is right to what he thinks is right. And can I tell you, it's so much better than trying to figure it out. He's already figured it out for you. And it hasn't let anyone down yet. My prayer is that you would, for the sake of your own life, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your children, and for the sake of your grandchildren, that you would buy the field. So I want you to stand to your feet today as I close in prayer. I want you to bow your heads because you know what? Some of you, it, it was a reminder because you haven't heard in a long time that Jesus is coming back. 
Man, and you've forgotten that. And you know what? It makes sense now when you see all that's going on and you see all the turmoil and, and you wonder what's going to happen and where we're going and how this doesn't just affect our nation. It's affecting the world and then how we are impacted by the world and we never were before. And there's wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and there's earthquakes in places in various places. We see all of this coming down the pipe. Listen, you want to see a little bit more about what the end times holds? Well, you can see what... what Paul told Timothy, it looks so much like today, it's not even funny. And so here's the thing, we've got to get past the place of looking for signs and we need to start listening for the trumpet and we need to be ready in, in any moment for the trumpet to sound. I always tell the story of my sister, of, of how as a kid I was absolutely scared. You want to follow him up here, Keith, and come and pray with him? I was absolutely scared of what God was going to do. And man, I remember my sister got a hold of my trumpet. My, my own sister, she got a hold of the trumpet that I played when I was in junior high and I was in the shower. And jokingly, she blew the trumpet and she knew where the lights were. The, the, in, the circuit breaker was in her room. She flipped the circuit breaker to the bathroom lights. I was in the bathtub. And she blew the trumpet and turned the lights off. And immediately, I had a lump in my throat. I'm running around the house naked because I thought Jesus came and he left me in the tub naked. I and my sisters, you know, I'm still praying for God to forgive her. And I don't know if he has. But in the end, I, Lord, I want to be that way every day knowing that you are soon to return and I don't want to miss the sound of that trumpet. And maybe you're like these two precious individuals that say today is the day that I need to make things right with Jesus because if the trumpet were to sound, I don't know that I would make it and I don't want to be left and today is the day that I want to make things right with Jesus Christ. I want you to come and meet these guys right now. This is your opportunity. Don't wait for another day. Let this day be your day that you see the deal and give your life to Jesus Christ. You buy the farm. Listen, for you Christians, I'm going to deal with you in a minute. But for those of you that have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I don't know what you're waiting for. Because that trumpet could be sound at any moment. Today's your day. Last few moments. Last few moments. Will anyone else come? I want you to stretch your hands to these that came. Heavenly Father, I'm praying right now that you would touch our friends that have come to this altar, Lord God, to make things right with you, to surrender their lives to you, to experience your love and forgiveness like they have never experienced it. And Lord God, today is the day of complete surrender. For my brother here, Lord God, today's the day that he says he's buying the field. He's selling everything that he has, every desire that he has, everything that, that he feels like he owns. Lord God, he is surrendering it so that he can buy the field. And so, Father God, we're thankful for three individuals who have made the statement by walking to this altar to give their lives to you, to return their lives to you, to sell all that they have so that, Lord God, they can buy the field which contains the treasure and the treasure is salvation in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand for three people today that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. All right, hey, if all of heaven is rejoicing, surely you can clap a little bit louder than that, amen? All of heaven is rejoicing. Look at me when I tell you, I don't even know, does he speak English? 
These guys don't even speak English and they gave their lives to Jesus Christ today. Amen. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary, could you take them and pray with them? I know that you can speak. Keith, would you just spend time praying over Dustin right here? If you guys could move over. So, Lord God, I'm praying for the Christians in this place right now that you would convict us, that we would feel the Holy Spirit's conviction. I'm not praying that one person would leave this place with guilt or shame. I'm praying, Lord God, that we would leave convicted and that, Lord God, that conviction would lead to confession and confession. When we confess our sins, you tell us. When we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father God, I'm praying that we would align ourselves with you, that Lord, in the, in the midst of everything, we would surrender and trust and love you, Lord God, to know that, Lord God, you are the treasure in that field, and we're willing to sell it all. We're willing to be persecuted. We're willing to walk through tribulation. We're willing to be rejected because, Lord God, in the end, we've sold our pride, and, Lord God, we don't need it. We need you, we need the field, we need salvation, we need Jesus. Lord God, you are in control. Jesus, you are the answer. And Holy Spirit, you teach us how to live. Help us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's buy the field, amen. Hey, on the way out, you got to get out because I got people coming in. Hug, shake hands, be careful, listen. And if, you, if you'd like, over here to my right, your left is a door that you can go out of without having to go through the gauntlet of people that are there in the foyer. God bless you. Thank you for being here by the field.
Right. The precious blood of Christ 